Hey everybody, welcome to The Fresh Life with Jasmine Marie. And I'm Chris Marvell. A little bit about us, we've been together for over a decade and we have two little boys. And we're here to provide you fresh ideas, fresh energy, and fresh inspiration. Welcome Welcome to to The the Fresh Fresh Life. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Fresh Life Podcast. We are so happy that you decided to join us today. It's a good day. It is a good day. I would concur. It's another day where it's not snowing in Cleveland. Yes. Caleb did not have to wear boost to school today. Uh, you know, it's kind of funny uh, how it becomes winter. We get this early crack of snow, and then suddenly just it doesn't snow for like two months like at a time. It's just it's crazy that it happens that way. But, hey, I'm grateful. I'm grateful. I am too. Because we could be, you know, six inches deep in snow, and that's... The absolute worst. I don't mind being cold, but snow is a whole nother ball game. I agree. I agree. And it just makes mornings easier. Like, we can actually walk down to the bus stop and don't have to drive. Because I'm totally the parent that's not walking in the snow down the street. I'm no. sorry. Six houses down in your car. Six houses down in my car. Caleb just gets in the front seat. Yeah, that's that's the only way to go. <laughs> Joey just sits in my lap and drives the car. Hey, listen. Breaking all <laughs> laws when it's cold outside. <laughs> And uh, you know the thing is about the code is, it just it can sl- it sometimes it can slow you down from getting your grind on, because when if you haven't experienced true cold weather, you don't really know how crippling it could be to get out of your warm house. Yeah, no. And get out there and make it happen. Especially like um, the mornings are dark. It's dark and cold, and you have a six a.m. workout. Wow, but you gotta. Listen, you got to make it shake. People who do the hard things see the results. I made it to the gym today. That's good. I know you would have had you would have made it if you weren't still in the cast. Well, yeah. The cast Maybe is Maybe you just should go do down. like some arm stuff. Yeah, but you know, uh-uh, that's Uh-uh, no but. I have you don't limp in the I have gym. weight. Yeah, it's a it's listen. So, we're actually here to talk about okay. like how Sorry, things yes. look. Sorry, yes. Okay. Yeah, yes. I mean, we're going to talk about how things look, you know, and perception and that's the thing, you know, is going to the gym and the perception like, you know, I'm broken and all of that. I don't want to go to the gym, but this is not about that. This is more so. No, okay, real quick, yes. let's finish this conversation. Yeah. That's real. Lifetime does have an elevator. They do, but, I know. you know, the older people and, I know. and the but people. But you should push through and do the hard thing. Because you know I what? Might, You'll feel better. I might do it late at night. Yeah, and get in the steam room. I don't want my cast to melt off in the steam room. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. I mean, um, you couldn't do anything on your feet. You only could do upper body. Yeah, I'd just be I'd be on there on crutches. But listen, this episode is about not looking like you're successful. And I don't want to walk into the gym looking like I got it okay when I got this cast on my leg, you know? No, I don't actually. What? You don't want to walk into the gym looking like you're okay when you have the cask on your leg. Yeah, like yeah, people no go to the gym like are you're okay because you have a cast. But on you your shouldn't leg. be at the gym with a cast on your leg. What if you're doing rehab? Listen, y'all write us in. Should you be at the gym with a cast on your leg? Do y'all think Chris should still go to the gym this upcoming week? That's crazy. Dead, dead serious. But all right, question on the table. Back to the topic. Back to the topic. Uh, first off, thanks to John and Laura uh, Manning, um, the host of the Couple of Bucks podcast, for having us on their show. Um, yes. If you have not checked them out, you can check them out on all across any podcast platform. A uh, Couple of Bucks, uh, they are entrepreneurs, seasoned entrepreneurs, um, hailing from New York, and 
man, they're dope. And uh, they had us on their show, and we were able to share some of our story as far as business goes. And that's sort of what you know brings us here today, too, is it's kind of like a part two to some of that, is what does it mean to be truly successful in business, but also being a success imposter? Um, there's so many times where you can you know, fake the the funk, as, you know, my mom used to say, and look like you're successful because social media, you know how to paint the picture. But are you painting by numbers or are you legit, like, out here creating art in the world? Like, which one is it? Like, are you really successful or are you able to really, um, you know, put together some, some real results and some real numbers. Right, right. So successful, success imposter? Success imposter. Yeah, success imposter. So it, sometimes, though, you'll hear the saying, fake it till you make it, right? Like put out an image that makes you look as if you're doing X, Y, and Z. And I get that for, you know, people have to be bought into what you're doing in order to, you know, maybe um, be bought into you or sell your product or buy your product or whatever, but I think what happens is it come it can become a little dangerous. Yeah, right? I mean, it can become dangerous when you have to, you know, really prove, you know, your results. Like, you have to kind of push, you know, where you are. So you may be looking to get somewhere um, that, you know, requires you to have some results. But at the end of the day, if, if you're really kind of faking it the whole time, you have nothing to show for, you know, all that you're, you know, saying that you're doing. So what I know we mentioned, you know, in the beginning that we were talking about success imposter. So what is what is a success imposter? And by definition, it's a person who doubts their accomplishments and has a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. Mm-hmm. That is I'm not saying that everyone deals with being a success imposter. Right. Well, it's also the definition is very similar to um, imposter syndrome. Mm, say more. So just the feeling of um, feeling like it, it needs to be perfect or that you're inadequate. Um, so basically, Dr. Um, Mimi, Dr. Mirka wrote about this in one of her recent posts about imposter syndrome, just the feeling of am I ever really enough and having that um, in the back of your mind feeling like you're not and therefore um, always like wondering, you know, uh, should I be doing this? Can I be doing this? Will they believe me? But then having the fear of being found out that, you know, someone might find out that I really don't have it all together. Um, so I'm paraphrasing, but it's, it goes along with that, too. And I feel like um, I could relate to that, though, mm. you know, with the fear of um, feeling like, you know, with the imposter syndrome of like, it got to be perfect, got to be right, or I can't really put it out there. And then because for fear that it won't be good enough or I'm not enough. That's real. I mean, so when you say you think about, you know, it not being good enough, what are you comparing it to? I think the problem is I compare and I think for a lot of people who um, are creative or entrepreneurs or trying to establish a brand, we can so easily compare ourselves to finished products or people who are, you know, already in that field really moving and shaking. And because we have such a big gap, we feel like, 
oh man, I I don't even equate. I'm not even remotely close or, you know, things like that. This is why people buy followers and and purchase likes because they're looking to, you know, they're looking to squeeze the gap a little bit, right? You know, and right. they're not willing. They're not understanding that there is either a, a a good turn of luck that happened where they this person, and we're only talking about social media because there are a lot of successful people outside of social media, but in the social media world, um, success is so pinpointed on followers and likes. And yeah. I remember I was working with um, this public relations person, and they were telling me that. Such and such isn't going to want to work with you if you don't have 40,000 followers. And I was so curious because I'm like, well, they're okay, so you're saying they're not going to want to work with me mm-hmm. because I don't have 40,000 followers? Mm-hmm. And I said, but my skill is probably surpassed whoever they're going to work with. They said, yeah, but they want to be able to leverage your followers, you know, for, you know, for the sake of working with you. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking the whole time, like, man, what did we do 15 years ago? Mm-hmm. Like, how did how did anyone, when there was no followers. How did anyone get started doing anything 15 years ago if they didn't have 100,000 followers? Right. I mean, that's that's a little daunting for most people. So what did you do? Did that make you think about or buy followers or think about buying followers at that time? No. So what, what I ended up doing was I just tried my best to... Um, emulate what successful people were doing. So I applied this pressure that took away all the creativity and a lot of the organic uh, sensibilities from what I was doing away because now I'm trying to create something that looks like what's already successful. Mm -hmm. The thing is, is that what's already successful is successful because it was organic. Mm. It's not, Mm -hmm. it wasn't a copy. Mm -hmm. It's, or it's successful because it's organic. Mm-hmm. And I think that the blessing is in the originality. It's not in um, perfectly photo. Anytime you photocopy anything, it never comes It never comes across with the true colors of the original print. And so, good. you know, and ultimately you're you're going to be if you ever you ever seen those um those memes that you could tell have been retweeted or recopied and over and over again they start to lose their sharpness yes yes i mean that's what copying an idea or somebody's personality or lifestyle does it just waters you down It, it causes you to still fade in the background because the original is always going to be in the forefront you can never beat the original it's always it's always very difficult to do. No, I totally agree. And I think I kind of went off on a little tangent earlier about um, imposter syndrome. It just kind of, when you were saying that, it made me think of it because you called it um, success imposter. Am I saying that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, but with imposter syndrome, it's actually um, a pattern which an individual doubts their accomplishments and has a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. So you doubt your actual accomplishments and you still fear that you might be a fraud. And that is something I can relate to because even though I'm, I'm, what people will consider highly educated and um I have you know have a lot of experiences and I've had a, I had a lot of studies in this I still sometimes deal with that like oh my goodness am I enough to be doing this um and don't want to you know so anyways I think that's a little bit different than what we're actually talking about though but it's still right in the same wheelhouse because you know when you think about people who are imposters they 
ultimately they're not uh, they're not satisfied with their accomplishments because they've accomplished something but it's they're looking ahead and so they're operating in scarcity exactly exactly they have accomplished something but they because maybe their um core belief is i'm not enough they are eternalizing those accomplishments as not being enough even though they're more than enough if you had a job description and these were the qualifications for it they will meet all those qualifications but still have in the back of their mind like oh my goodness I hope no one expo- I hope I'm not exposed hope no one finds out I'm really a fraud and you know this makes me think about this because Michelle Obama talks about that in her book always wondering if um, in the back of her mind, am I enough to do this position? And it's like, Michelle, look at your credentials. Like, yeah, you're enough. And she had to keep saying that to herself. Mm, That's crazy, man. Like, and the thing, again, you know, she's, she's still viewing her own accomplishments as if she hasn't done enough. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. I, I think that striving and you know for more and being ambitious is awesome. Right, but, but then I, it leads to a little perfectionism. It can, yeah, it can lead to that. Slow you down. Exactly, and it can also lead to feeling like you're never really satisfied. You're never content with you know something that you truly did accomplish. Like it's like if you went to school, you know, for four years and got your degree, like that is something to be proud of. That is nothing right. to sit back and say. I'm 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 never gonna be content with just a bachelor's degree. I get the thought about that, but at the end of the day, you took four years to accomplish it. Right. Like it wasn't as if you were being content in that four years. You are four years and now you want to accomplish more, but don't get rid of the satisfaction by thinking that what you just did was a was not that right. big of a deal. Right. Like I worked on a goal for four years and I accomplished it. Like that's a big deal. That took a lot of persistence. It took a lot of time. Yeah, absolutely. It wasn't a microwave to go. I mean, I, I think back on, you know, a moment when um and the reason that I really just thought about, you know, even talking about this whole episode, because I was uh, looking back over, you know, a photo of me and Tara Owens, mm-hmm. you know, and it just kind of hit me that during that time period, I went from, you know, kind of just like life coaching, you know, the general everyday Clevelanders mm-hmm. to suddenly, which we love, by the which way. We love. hey, <laughs> love all of y'all that gave me an opportunity to branch out yeah, and get the exposure sure. that, you know, that took me to just awesome places. But looking, looking at it, the whole Terrell situation was just weird because it put me in a place that wasn't necessarily all the way real. Right. Um, I got a phone call, you know, from a friend who, you know, had connected me, you know, to Tarot. And um, we linked up and started talking and started talking. And then one day he just called me one night. And this is a true story. He called me one night. And it was uh, you guys talk though, like oh no, we talked a lot. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 yeah. we talked a lot. Like yeah. that part wasn't, you know, I was I was a legit, I was legit life coaching. Like right. this was a legit deal. Right. But I'm saying that I was doing that privately, right? You know, Absolutely. and so I'm privately still also coaching other people. Absolutely. So now he gives me a call one night, and he says, you know, hey man, uh, need you to come out to L.A. You know, and I said, you know, when? He says tomorrow. So I'm like, whoa, like. Right. That's like that's dope. Yeah. You know, here's like ter- like I'm talking to you over the phone, but to get a phone call and to be told to come to LA, you know, we're gonna shoot this TV show, like that's sweet. So and I talked to Jazz and we just made it happen. I was on a flight the next day. Right. So we do the TV show 
it's shown all across the world on Fox Sports, on, you know, clips on ESPN, um, on Yahoo. And so next thing you know, the interest in Chris Marvell had just spiked. The thing was, is that that was really the only ball I had to throw. Okay. But was because I was still, if you take tear out the pitcher, I was still just this guy in Cleveland trying to make it happen. Right. Trying to affect lives on an everyday basis. Right. Suddenly, I'm, you know, titling myself celebrity life coach. Right, right. Now, I did coach some other NFL players, but that wasn't like my bread and butter. And, you know, those were like specialty situations that did nothing but, you know, talk to the ego and, you know, tell me that I'd arrived and all that sort of thing. And it was a struggle because I couldn't let people at that point see that I was still trying to get up, that I was still trying to pay my bills, that, you know, I wasn't this guy driving a a new Bentley because I was working with Terrell, like, (laughs) or I was on TV. And you would get people who would, you know, take screenshots and call me or text me and say that, hey, they seen the episode with, you know, me and Terrell on TV and that was dope and it felt good. But what I found out is that notoriety doesn't pay the bills. Mm -hmm. And that was a place that I was like, okay, I'm either going, I'm I'm failing and I can't let nobody know it. Yeah, no, that's good. I love that. And um, when we we're in those situations, what, what, what did you do to bounce back or um, how did you grow out of that? Well, one of the things that you can do is, and that I did, was you have to separate the feelings from the fact. Like the feeling is... You know, I've made it. You know, I've arrived. I am just, I am the celebrity life coach. I'm hyped. You know, I'm a big deal. Like, I'm being invited to speak other places. But the fact is, is that I am not making what I think I should be making if I were indeed this big deal life coach. Right. So that's the fact. Right. Like, and when you separate that fact from the feeling, then you have to hit you hit reality. Right. The fact is, we're short on some bills. The fact is, <laughs> I'm still short on bills while that show is still playing on right. TV. While you're screenshotting me, uh, can you pay my gas? Yeah, no. seriously. Like, can you send me? Uh, ca- can you cash up? I mean, seriously. And cash up wasn't even around, so you no. have to legit just ask people for. But you know, we were never we were never like in dire dire straits, but it was tight. Yeah, for sure. But it was tight to the point like it it didn't make sense to feel like you made it when you didn't. That's good. Nah, that's just how I think. And so, I mean, some things that you can do. I mean, if you're struggling with this, I would say that this is helpful um, to me is, A, another one is just accentuating the positive. Like, there, there's some positive in that. You're able, with that type of boost and, you know, push out front publicly to then say, I mean, whatever you're doing, if you're selling hair and you got a good following, um, if you're, you know, into real estate, whatever it is, you're probably feeling like, Everybody thinks I sell real estate, and they think that I'm probably a millionaire real estate agent. But you don't even have to be that. You can just accentuate the fact that, hey, I'm moving, you know, five or six units, and I'm able to work for myself, you know, instead of going to a nine to five. That's a positive that if people were keeping it real, Mm -hmm. they would love to have. Even if it was just sixty thousand a year, you work for yourself. Right. Facts. That's facts. You ain't got to be the one that knows everybody. You know, when everybody's coming to you, every celebrity, like, the most important thing is that you have freedom. Mm -hmm. Like, freedom is everything. Money is the tool. Freedom is the goal. Money is the tool. Freedom is the goal. Uh, The goal is not money. It's what I've learned. It's, it's, that's what's in the freedom. How can I move and shake without feeling like I got to report to somebody else 
every single day to make an income. That's good. That's good. Um, when I hear you talk, what comes to my mind is the public self versus the private self. Mm. And one good way, I think, too, if someone finds themselves in this situation, and like you said, we've been there, and um, I think that you got to remember that the public self is what everybody sees. It's the tip of the iceberg. It's what everybody knows you for. But the private self is the part that... People don't see, even the people closest to you don't see, don't know about you, even probably your spouse and your children. And it's just knowing that everybody has a private self. So I think, too, that is encouraging, especially when it's time to get vulnerable. It's time to demask. It's time to really separate, you know, like Chris said, the fact from the feeling. And um, and just knowing that, you know, we always say this on a fresh life that we're all made of strength and struggle. And it's easy to get in that space. It's easy to get into the space of the success imposter. So don't don't beat yourself up. Like I know many people that have been in that space or that are in that space. And um, so it's just about showing yourself some grace, too, and um, taking off that mask and looking yourself in the mirror like, all right, this is too much of an act for me to keep up. I'm I don't really I'm not really feeling it and I'm gonna allow my authentic self to show up. So even like that's such a good point. I'm, thank you for leading me into there. So man, when your authentic self, so this is the dopest part about this whole thing, is you are if you're faking it, you're cheating yourself out of the true reward. Hmm. Because the person that you're faking to be is getting an applause for something that you're making an overextended effort for but when you're truly like this person that you believe you are and you've arrived there through hard work through creativity Mm -hmm. through the right connections and you're really that person then the feeling that you're getting from you know the success and, and the reward that's to feel so much better yeah like that's like that's legit the real deal like I didn't sell, when I wrote Love Laws, I didn't sell 100,000 copies. But let me tell you something. When I sold the first one, that was like the reward of the century. Like, Mm -hmm. it didn't make me a best-selling author, but just even selling that one copy was amazing to me. And people said, I remember hearing that if you sell one copy of your book, that's an amazing accomplishment. Mm -hmm. You know, and I sold over 1,000 copies of my book. Like, I didn't get rich off of it. Right. But in writing a book out of my mind, I sold something and made a profit from it. That's, I mean, that's sweet. That's super sweet. But had I, you know, been around saying that, you know, and and put some sticker on my book that says I was a best-selling author and this and that, any book, any day I sold three or four books would have felt like a failure. Mm -hmm. I would have felt like, you know, I could never talk to anybody about selling three or four books because now the expectation is, higher than what I can actually achieve to be. Right. And also like when you're booked for a certain speaking engagement that you normally would be like super excited about or like when you're on the news for something, like that's a moment that you should celebrate. Instead, it turns into a moment like, well, I should be, you know, like this is expected. Instead of like, wow, like my hard work is paying off and I'm becoming more notarized and things like that. That's it. I mean, it's important. I mean, at the end of the day, I think you have to truly visualize what success looks like to you. Like what does, so, okay, so I'm going on this endeavor. I'm going to start a podcast. 
and I'm not going to compare myself to the people that are in the top 50 podcasts on iTunes. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just compare myself to me month after month. Mm-hmm. Then my episodes get better with content. Mm-hmm. Um, was I able to be more consistent with you know my episodes and the timing of it? Uh, did I finally book a guest this time around? Mm-hmm. And because if you look up, if you look out and you're looking at a podcast that you love, and they just booked Barack Obama. You're going to be looking at yourself like, <laughs> shoot, like, I guess, you know, I got to go holler at my boy who's a barber and an entrepreneur. Like, guess I'm still becoming. Guess I'm still, but be- <laughs> guess I'm still becoming. Very good. Um, but yeah, I mean, so you have to, what does your success look like? Right. And again, we underestimate what we can do in three months and we overestimate what we can do in three years. And what you can do at the end of the day, you can do so much in just little as three months and just focus on that. Focus on this small time and then look back at that three months and say, okay, I was able to check this off. I was able to check that off. And I'm making my way toward where I want to go. Mm-hmm. And I'm feeling the, the the bits of success every step of the way. Yeah, absolutely. Well, my final thoughts on this is just I'm here, you know, at the Fresh Life and at, in our home authenticity is a value that we have for our family and because we've struggled with being inauthentic for a long time not only in our relationship but in business um with friends and and so we've learned that through an authentic life of really showing up in our true most honest most vulnerable selves is where we have the best connection the best energy and I'm talking about like everywhere literally from the bedroom to um to our everywhere everything in our relationship like we are just our most authentic selves I mean that is the goal you know and then you can always realize when you are performing and you're not really um, being authentic so I'm just wanting to say just encourage everybody that even in your business or whatever you're trying to get off the ground whether it's your ministry or um, your nonprofit or um, anything, mentoring program, whatever you're trying to do to get off the ground or whatever business you have, any entrepreneur endeavors you're um, approaching, it's just to be authentic. Just show up in your fullest, realest self and people will respond to that. People will buy into your authentic self. And then lastly, you know, that success is a moving target. That the, the minute that you think that you're successful, you know, there's more to do in that, you know, in that moment. But that's why you have to own the happiness and the thrill of the accomplishments that you have because success is always moving. You're never in a space where you're going to feel fully successful and that you've arrived. So just have some level of contentment in the moment and then get back to the grind, get back to the ambition, but at least celebrate in the yes, moment. Celebrate every accomplishment. Take time to celebrate. I believe that wholeheartedly. Because what are you doing it for? Right. So we love y'all, man. Uh, Thank you again for tuning in. Make sure again that you share, that you leave a review, um, that you send in your questions as well. Yes. Thank you, guys.